You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the WFAN and CBS Sports Network studios. Think of this as like a touring production meets road game, a little crossover to help set the tone. Uh, You know, there's a lot of reasons why I'm so passionate about what I get to do here at the BPN, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, providing a platform for either Uh, fans of sports or theater to hear stories and insight from their favorite performers. Um, That's what's most paramount to me is to try to bring the worlds of baseball and Broadway together. Uh, But another big reason actually stemmed from my love of sports talk radio and the intimate relationship an audience has with certain shows and on-air personalities very much applies to the podcast world as well. I'd like to think everyone who listens to Break a Bat feels that connection with me or the Katzman brothers or Alan, anyone in our ensemble Uh, It's pretty incredible to have the opportunity to sit down with today's guest because on a personal note, uh, this relationship actually goes all the way back to my freshman year of college, going back uh, to my dorm in between media studies classes to get my sports fix from the Daily Boomer and Carton Show podcast, which of course was curated by its executive producer and brains behind the show, Mr. Al Dukes. Over the years, he's become a true star here at WFAN and CBS Sports Network for his work both on the air and behind the scenes as the now Boomer and Geo show remains the number one rated program in Morning Drive. And he's someone I've always been a huge fan of, which makes today really exciting for me. So with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Al Dukes. (laughs) Oh, hi there. (laughs) Is this where I come in? Yeah, that's the cue. Oh, all right. (laughs) You're so used to being called Al Hughes. I wasn't sure if you were going to pick up on that. I like Al Hughes, Al Dukes, whatever you like. <laughs> What's the origin of Al Hughes? Tell the uh, Broadway folks. So Al Hughes came up because uh, I had just started working at WFAN and Mike and the Mad Dog were still a show. And uh, there was a... Actually, it's funny because it involves Gio also. Gio was a producer for Joe and Evan. I was producing Boomer and Carton. And we had both booked Jose Canseco. This is when... Jose Canseco was saying really dopey things. And so we both wanted them on the show. And at the time, you know, Mark Chernoff doesn't like the same guests on multiple shows. It just doesn't make sense. The audience may have already heard him on one show and not the other. So 
Mark was going to decide whose show he was going to let Jose Canseco go on. And he thought it would work better with Carton uh, in the morning show. So he gave the guest to us. So it was being discussed on Mike and the Mad Dog. And uh, Mad Dog just kept saying, well, who booked him first? Was it Greg Giannotti or Al Hughes? (laughs) He thought my name was Al Hughes. I don't know why. Hughes Dukes, I guess it's similar, short. Uh, so that's how, so. Then the next day, of course, we just kept playing the clip over and over again. Al Hughes, Al Hughes, and so that's how it started. And it's taken on a life of its own. It now. has <laughs> all these many years later. I think that was probably to be two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, you've seen a lot here at the Fan. I have. Now I have to tell you, walking into the studio for the first time is very much like going to a historic Broadway theater. I'll just give you an example. All oh, right, the Al Hirschfeld Theater. Uh, where Moulin Rouge is currently playing, there's kind of like an aura and a mystique in the air. You're about to see Robin Herder do backstage romance on the same stage where Dick Van Dyke once played Albert in Bye Bye Birdie and saying, put on a happy face. Uh, I feel that same mystique here, knowing that this is the studio that you once used to grace the airwaves with Beat Tom Brady and I Lick Myself. Right, uh, in this very chair that I'm sitting that you see me in right now, I sang those songs. (laughs) Very similar to historic Broadway theaters. <laughs> yes, you you know you have that talent, you have that that grace about you. It's uh, I I have to say, you know, with your sports musical parodies, they're pretty influential for someone who loves both sports and music like myself. When you took the reins at Boomer and Carton, what was the inspiration behind working those into the show? Well, it all started with uh, it was a Mets opening day. You know, it's always cold uh, opening day, and the Mets were playing in Cincinnati, and Mike Pelfrey was pitching. and And I went home to watch, and because it was cold, Mike Pelfrey kept licking his hand and then rubbing the ball, and it was like crazy, like it was nonstop. It wasn't once or twice; it was the entire game. And the next day, we were had been talking about it, and uh, I and I just in my head, I was thinking of the Beatles song, uh, "I want to hold your hand, I want to lick my hand." So I I did it that way. <laughs> And then the next time he was going to pitch, I picked another song to do. And then it just, then the audience started to expect it. So that's how that started. And then the same thing happened with uh, when R.A. Dickey was on the Mets. Dickey just being a hilarious juvenile uh, type humor. So then I just started doing songs that that um, rhymed with Dickey. And then it just started that way. Then we even started doing it. We used to do guest spots uh, with Jets players uh, during the season. So I would have a different one. I think Kerry Rhodes was a Jets cornerback or safety at the time. He used to come on every week. So before we would put him on, I'd sing him a song. Uh, We did the same thing with Thomas Jones was a running back at the time with the Jets. So that's how that all started. That's amazing. I have to say the one that stands out the most to me, and I almost broke a rib laughing. Boomer might've had to stop you from doing it was the, uh, the one he did from Brian Schottenheimer with uh, Just a Gigolo. Nobody likes Shotty. <laughs> yeah, see, I barely, <laughs> oh my, see, I barely remember some of these. Like when you say that, I kind of remember. But there's a lot of them. Like Eddie will even play some clips of some. And I was like, I don't need. What was that for? Because it's just been years and years now of uh, of these things. It's so good. And I remember, uh, I think Boomer might have stopped you. He's like, you realize Brian Schottenheimer has, you know, kids in school. That might <laughs> yeah, I don't, we don't consider those things. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys, obviously, you used to be the flagship station for the Mets, and then now you're the flagship station for the Yankees as well. You ever get any pushback or any feedback from some of the guys? No. Uh, I'm trying to think. Somebody, oh, uh, I don't know how we got word that uh, Mike Pelfrey had heard some of the songs. 
And uh, one of the guys was busting his chops about it. So w- we actually got him to come in uh, one day and we were playing him all the songs. So that's really the only time we get word. No, no, it, strangely, we never get pushback from the teams. They never say, you know, we're not coming on because of all the song you sang. Most of them, I guess, seem to have a good sense of humor or they pay no attention to what's going on here. It could be either of them. <laughs> now, do you have a musical background that you're... I have to say, it's a real talent to be able to put those some of those songs together. No, I just... I, I love music and I'm really into, you know, classic rock and uh, alternative rock and even country music that I just... I think I I think in terms of songs, pop songs. So when things happen in my head, I I think of songs that remind me of it. It just kind of happens as I'm roaming around throughout the day. So that's just how I and that's the thing like what I started doing with them is it, it started getting not great when I was forced to come up with them. So like like the Mike Pelfrey thing or the RA Dickey thing where it started to be every start like Boomer and Craig would be like, where's your R.A. Dickey song? And to me, that's when it started losing its fun because when I when I would sit the night before and it would take me hours to write something, it always sucked. <laughs> and the ones that were really good were the ones that took like five minutes, you know, because they were natural. They naturally happened. So I, I started kind of easing off doing them be, and, unless they were automatic in my head because they just, they weren't as good. And the process wasn't fun for me. I didn't enjoy trying to rhyme things, you know? So, um, I don't forget the original question, but that's how it started and how it kind of, then I also noticed like I was, I was doing like two verses in a chorus. Then I realized how dumb we really just are playing the chorus anyway (laughs) afterwards. So I just started writing the choruses much easier. I I also loved, uh, the next Friday night. I think you did that one too, right before the Yankees, uh, played Detroit in the 2011 playoffs. There's been a lot of good Oh yeah, ones. that was a good one. And you and you know a lot about music. So I mean and I you mentioned classic rock obviously. Katy Perry isn't necessarily yeah. that genre, but but you, you pop made, music, yeah. You made it work. Yeah, I always try to think of the audience. So like the the sports radio audience, our core group is men 25 to 54. So sometimes people make suggestions uh, which I always appreciate cuz I like I said I've run out of ideas many times. So when people would tweet me things, I, a lot of times, like, yeah, I don't know that the average male 25 to 54 would know that song. But like the Katy Perry one, I thought a lot of people knew. Anyway, it crossed over. Uh, some of the older guys probably have daughters that, that that song's on in the car. So it'd have to be something. Like, a lot of times people will suggest rap songs that I have no idea what they are. And I'm trying to think like, well, does our audience know what that is? Does the majority of our audience? That's why I always kind of stuck with like Beatles, Stones, Classic rock, Springsteen, because I think universally people know those songs. You ever do a show tune? Um, no, only because I probably don't know many show tunes. Now, you grew up in Colonia, New Jersey, not too far from NYC. Did you catch a lot of Broadway growing up? No, I'll tell you, I, I have been a handful of times. In, in the eighth grade, which for me was 1981 or 82, we took a class trip to see Zorba the Greek. We took a bus in as, a, as an eighth grade class. Then the next time I was, I was to Broadway, well, wasn't for many, many years, only a couple years ago. I went to see, uh, Avenue Q. Okay. Then I went to see, uh, Kinky Boots within the past year, okay. two years, uh, that I saw, uh, Hamilton just oh. last December. <laughs> you casually just drop in Hamilton. There's a lot of people who would want to be in your shoes. Right. 
That's well, amazing. I only went, my girlfriend wanted to go. And, right. I, and I, I got that as a, a birthday gift for her. I gotta tell you, I had no idea what was going on in Hamilton. <laughs> no idea. And all these people that go to Hamilton are like, oh, it's so great. I'm like, you did, I guarantee you have no idea what went on. I had no idea what was going on. Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> de- 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 I, no, like if you said to me, what was Hamilton about? I have no idea. I mean, I could say, oh, it was about President Hamilton. You asked me specifically, not a clue. Do you, so you think a lot of people just like to, to boast that they went more so? It, you people don't... like to think that they understand things that are popular. Yes, that's very true in yeah. today's society. Overall, what are your impressions of Broadway? Um, I do like the the ones I've gone to. Like, I like the musicals because I feel like it, it keeps me engaged. It's catchy. But I also don't pay attention to lyrics all that much. So I don't follow the story as well as if it was a non-musical. But it's it, it moves quicker. I don't know. Broadway to me is very expensive. You know, it's like... Uh, like going to a concert, which is is very expensive now these days. I also feel like, you know, you're really packed in in a lot of these theaters. Um, I'm very annoyed by people in audiences, and I feel like Broadway is very... The thing I do like, I feel like Broadway is very strict with audiences, which I like and appreciate and wish we could carry that on in other places as well. It's like, your phone's got to be off. You're looked at like like a loser if your phone rings or text goes off during the thing, which I love that. I love the discipline of the audience having to pay attention. Yeah. And if you like, let's say if you get up to go to the bathroom, you're not allowed back in your yes. seat until you think they should do that at the stadium. Yes. Also, it's like, if you show up late to Broadway, you're not getting in. I don't care that you have a ticket. And you know what? And that's one of the most annoying things. You go to City Field or Yankee yes. Stadium, these people that show up late as you're trying to watch the game. Yes. And so, like, Concerts too. Concerts too, yeah. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, you're getting up to get a beer or born to run. Like, this is what you paid your ticket for. <laughs> Can you go two minutes without having a drink or stuffing food in your face? <laughs> Enjoy the show. Now, I know you're a Jersey guy. So, yeah, and I Jersey know how, guy. And how much you love Bruce Springsteen. Did yeah. you get to see him on Broadway by no. any chance? Uh, it was strange because, um, so when he was going to be on Broadway, I knew these were going to be impossible tickets to get. They were very expensive. And in my head, I was like, do I want to listen to Bruce Springsteen tell these stories and play acoustic versions of songs I heard a thousand times? So I kind of wasn't interested in it. And then when I saw it on Netflix, I thought it was like really terrific. And I had wished that I put some money into trying to go to the theater because I really enjoyed it. Even songs that I feel like I've heard a thousand times and eh, I'm not even a real fan of that. Hearing them done just on the piano or, or just with the guitar... And then the story that went along with it, it really, I really did enjoy it and wish I had went. Yeah. I mean, like you said, though, it's, it has become a very expensive medium um, for sure. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, you've really become a New York City radio icon over the nice. years. Nice. Yeah. I, I think even, I, and I think one of the great things about your show is the culture that you had on Boomer and Carton, and it's carried over to Boomer and Geo. I know that you've talked in the past about what a big influence Howard Stern was yeah. for you and the, you know, kind of the ensemble culture that he created with his show for you growing up. Was that something that you intentionally tried to bring about here on WFAN with your show? Because it's a lot different from, you know, let's say Joe and Evan or Mike and the Mad Dog back in the day. Yeah, I think, yeah, I loved Howard Stern and I loved the... The stuff I, you know, and Howard Stern did this to himself. Like when people didn't know Howard Stern, people would assume Howard Stern was strippers and porn stars. And that was the show, you know, but if you knew Howard Stern, that was such a small part of his show, but that's what he used to like to promote. So I understand people who didn't follow him thinking that's what the show was. But to me, the show was him talking about, you know, um, a long weekend where he was hiding in his basement because he didn't want to be with his wife's, um, you know, you know, relatives and making fun of Gary and all that stuff. And <clears throat> I always wanted to be involved in a show like that. I never felt like I could carry a show. I couldn't be Howard, but could I do something like that Fred does or that Gary does? Uh, yeah, I felt like I could do that. And I'm a talk radio guy first and sports is a very distant second. You know, I'm not a huge sports fan. So even when they were bringing me over here, they knew that what they were getting with me is I was a guy who liked to talk radio. They didn't want it to be a hardcore sports show in the morning anyway. So yeah, I did like that, having that everybody kind of has a role and everybody knows what their role is and characters are defined, I I hope, in in, uh, in, in these shows, not unlike, you know, a TV show would have or a Broadway play, but um, it's so realistic because everybody's using their real names. It's four hours a day. It kind of gets confusing as to what is real life and what is the role you play on the show sometimes. But I like all that. You know, I always like that in radio. And obviously you've had a phenomenal career. Um, you know, whether it's what you did with Ron and Fez at WNEW, uh, you know, I think that, you know, you distill a certain vibe with 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 whatever show that you, you're a part of. I know uh, shortly after Ron and Fez, I guess you had spent some time with Opie and Anthony. Um, and I guess you were the you were the dump button guy. I was the, the dump button guy, yeah. What was going on when the whole sex for Sam incident happened? Yeah. And in any way, did you ever think that everything that you had worked so hard for would be in jeopardy? No, because that was a weird one. Um, I had just started working on the dump button. Like I had just been trained. And this was, this event was coming up. And I said to the guy who had trained me, I go, are you going to be in the room with me that day? He goes, no, you know what? They're, they're so aware that it's a touchy subject that they're super careful. I said, okay. And then even that day, so many people got, you know, let go. And I didn't because I did follow the rules. You know, it wasn't the thing that came out over your speaker isn't what, got them in trouble. It was where this couple who wasn't even as associated really with the show, they weren't employed by the show. Um, they got in trouble out in New York City. So what came out of your speakers is what I was responsible for. And I did take things out that day that would have been bad news. So 
Uh, no, I wasn't really thinking of because I, I also wasn't in New York all that long. I had just been with Ron and Fez for a year, Opie and Anthony for a year. I was only, only two years into my New York part of my job. So I, I guess I wasn't really thinking like it was over at that point. Yeah, and obviously, you know, they got thrown off the air. You yeah. survived. I know that they eventually did make a comeback. Um, I find it really interesting because not long after WFAN was going through some major changes after Don Imus got fired, you're known primarily as a talk radio guy. Um, how did you get tabbed as the man who was, you know, going to take the reins with his replacements? Did you ever think that Boomer Esiason and Craig Carton would work well together as a team? And, you know, what was your role in that? I had worked with... Craig had worked at WNEW when I worked at WNEW. I was working with Ron and Fez. Craig was doing sports guys in the morning. And I think what... I I, I knew Craig casually there, but I think what Craig liked is that I w- he used to see me at work so early for the Ron and Fez show while he, he was still... While Craig was still at the radio station, we were completely different shifts. So I think he liked that I was a guy who would go to work early and show up. And I also had a role on the air, which I think he liked too. You know, I think my, the role I play on the air works really good alongside a cool guy, right? So I don't want to be the cool guy. I'm not the cool guy. It I work well alongside a cool guy, right? So like somebody like Boomer, who's the alpha male athlete, he's the cool guy. I'm not competing to be the cool guy. You know, I want to be the everyday guy or even the a little less than everyday guy. So I knew Craig from there. Uh, I I had worked with Mark Chernoff at uh, 92.3 when uh, it was they were doing talk. So And then I had worked with another guy at the corporate office who was putting this show together. So I had a lunch with them. All of us met and we just uh, hit it off. I wasn't sure that, it, that Boomer and Carton was going to work, but I think... What made it work is that Boomer, who is an alpha male, let the radio guy run the radio show. And that's so rare to find somebody coming from who's dominant in their field coming into radio. They want to run the radio too. It's not often that you see somebody like Boomer let the radio guy run the show. And that makes all the difference. So that was huge for us. Was there a certain moment where you thought, hey, we're onto something, this thing could be big? Yeah, very early on. And I thought, again, it came down to Boomer. So very early on, we took a, a, you know, I was getting calls and I wasn't sure if Boomer was the type where you could bust his balls, you know, or or he would not like that. And I got a call from a guy who said he had just watched the, um, the Jets best of DVD, like the best of the Jets years, and Boomer wasn't in it at all. So I put that guy on and that guy said it to Boomer and he laughed. You know, there was another guy who called up and called Boomer bougie. Like, Boomer, you're so bougie, you know. And he went along with it. Like, you could bust his chops, which again, when big name guys come from outside radio and start doing radio, they don't want you to bust their chops uh, a lot of the time. And the fact that he let us do that, I knew, you know, that that it could grow from there. Now, you have a very important job with the show because you dictate which callers get through and which don't. Oh, yeah. And it seems like you have, I guess we could call it a love-hate relationship with I the callers. I would say hate-hate. <laughs> I hate all the callers. <laughs> I would say I hate 97% of the callers. There's 3% that make me laugh, a couple percent that I guess I'll put on, and I shoot down so many of them. They're the worst. 
So wait, so when someone calls you, for example, and yeah. asks you if the Yankees, what happens if the Yankees Red Sox London series right. results in a rainout? How do you react to that? I say to them, I go, what, what do you, t-? that was, that, that came up when it was first announced that the Yankees and Red Sox were going to play in London. It was a year in advance. And a guy called up, but what are they going to do if the, the game gets turned? I go, dude, that's a year away. Who cares? Why do you, I would say to them, like, it's 630. You're going to work. What do you care? What are you talking about? So, yeah, it makes me insane. And the worst, like, people go, well, if it's not for the callers, you don't have a job. Yeah, I do. I have a job because of the listeners. The callers are a very tiny part. And listen, I would love to do no calls. And we're fortunate that we do have Boomer, Geo, Jerry. I talk sometimes. Eddie talks. We've got enough people. These shows when you're when you're doing a talk show by yourself, I don't know how people do that, but you're going to lean on the callers a little more. So I, I I'm lucky that I don't have to lean on the callers. So yeah, it's it's quite a battle every day in there. It's its own show. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Eddie's the only one who really sees the show where I, I fight with the callers. The best though is when I fight with a caller, and in fighting with them, they convince me, and then I put them on, and that happens. You know, we'll be going back and forth screaming at each other. And then they'll say something that does make a good point. I'm like, start with that. When you get on, start there. Because all this other nonsense we've been fighting about, who cares? Start with that. And I like those. I like when I like when a caller can convince me. And that's why I'm fighting them. I'm fighting them for their point so that they're more clear on their point when they get on the air and don't waste their time. And I was going to mention how, you know, so often those shows that are very caller and guest dependent, they become a little stale. Yeah. So I think you've always done a great job of cultivating a culture that, you know, everyone can enjoy what they're listening to. There's enough of everything and it's awesome. Well, that goes back to the Howard Stern thing too. So, and now the Stern show is tons of interviews, which I dislike a lot. Uh, back in the nineties, it was rare for Howard to have an interview. So... I never, and when he did have an interview, like, oh man, I only get 20 minutes and my 20 minutes that I'm going to be in the car, he's talking to somebody I'm not interested in. I never wanted that for the audience here. So if what you do best is talking to each other, when you're not doing that, when you're talking to a guest or talking to a caller, you're doing less than your best. And why would you do that? So... We don't do a lot of guests. I try not to do a lot of callers because I think that's not what the show is. You're, people are tuning in for the personalities. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Al hits the batting cage for the seventh inning stretch. Stay tuned. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, Al, I know in the past you've described yourself as someone who's not a big sports guy, despite being the brains behind the number one sports talk show in Morning Drive. Uh, it's not unlike a lot of the guests I bring in from the entertainment world, but nonetheless, since this podcast celebrates great performance from both ends of the spectrum, I view you as a great performer. I thought I could give you a chance to enter what we call the winner's circle here at Break a Bat. The winner's circle. All right. So the segment is called Seventh Inning Stretch. A prize is at stake if you win it. Uh, you're in very exclusive company. Robin Herder from Moulin Rouge, Kate Rockwell of Mean Girls. We've had a few others. They were winners? They were winners. What do I win? You'll see. Okay. See. You'll see. Um, now, I'll ask you a few trivia questions. Some baseball, some Broadway. Broadway? <laughs> I got no shot. Some are kind of a crossover. Okay. And uh, yeah, if you get enough of them right, you, you'll win the prize. All right, cool. Okay. I'm going to give you four names, three of which have either won or have been nominated for a Tony Award. The other is an MLB All-Star. Oh, perfect. Which one is the MLB All-Star? Got it. Jesse Crane, Carrie Butler, Jesse Mueller, or Billy Porter? Wow. Billy Porter. The answer is Jesse Crane. Oh! <laughs> Chicago White Sox. What? 2013 All-Star. 2013? I, I know. I should have thought right. of someone more current. <laughs> more current than 2013? <laughs> That's current enough. Which I Yan was working here at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which Yankee legend was mentioned in song in the Tony-nominated musical Moving Out? So that's oh, kind of a cool I gotta nail this one. Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Yogi Berra, or Joe DiMaggio? Gehrig. The answer is Joe DiMaggio. Oh, we didn't start the fire. I thought, Music Gehrig, was, I thought Gehrig was uh, in We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> I was thinking of that song. That would be a tough one to parody, by the way. There's just It's too fast, too many names. Actually, I did the entire song about the Mets. Get out of here. I, I did it to uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. That's why Willie got fired. <laughs> When Willie Randolph got fired. <laughs> and I did the whole thing. So that was one of the early ones. That was that yeah. was 08 when he got fired. Yes. So that was that was before Very I early started on. listening. We got to get some of those songs from the vault. Yes. All right. Next we have which of the following Tony Award winners has yet to sing the national anthem at Yankee Stadium? All right. Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, I did she definitely sang it. Neil Patrick Harris. Mm -hmm. Brian Cranston or Kelly O'Hara? Kelly O'Hara. The answer is Brian Cranston. Come on! <laughs> Can you imagine Brian Cranston doing the anthem? <laughs> but here's the thing. This is what I don't understand about Broadway. And I'll also give you an example of what blew my mind here. I remember watching the Tonight Show once when Jason Alexander was coming on. It was when he was on Seinfeld. He's George. He came on and sang a Broadway song. It was very well done. So, like, that really threw me off. Like, wow, like, so I, maybe Brian Cranston sings. Who knows? 
These Broadway people, I don't understand. <laughs> That's a very fair point, yeah. actually. You would never guess in some Would cases. never have guessed that George Costanza would be singing a Broadway song. You know one of the Real Housewives is in Chicago right now? Is that right? Yeah, I, Erica Jane or something like yeah. that. It, it, it's, it's interesting how it works. A lot of yes. times it's, it's a name and celebrity. But yeah, Jason Alexander, for example, he was doing the producers and he was very good to right. understanding. All right. So I'm over. Well, how many was oh, that? Over three. Oh, I three. hope you get one hit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get this one. The Yankees like to retire numbers. They sure do. <laughs> Which of these Yankees does not have his retired? All right, this I'm going to get number. 100%. Okay. Actually, I'm going to, let's see. Andy Pettit, Roger Maris, Paul O'Neill, or Phil Rizzuto? Andy Pettit. The answer is Paul O'Neill. <laughs> You're doing well, Al. <laughs> I am the worst at this. Man. Oh, All right. Okay. All right. This is the last one I had prepared. Please go out a winner. Okay. Last one. Which of the following Disney films has yet to be adapted for Broadway? All right. All right. Okay. Beauty and the Beast, Tarzan, 101 Dalmatians, or The Little Mermaid? 101 Dalmatians. That is correct. You got one, Al. Can you imagine them trying to do that on stage? I would love stage? that. I would go see 101 Dalmatians <laughs> with actual dogs. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, that, that I'd be interested in. <laughs> I feel bad, Al. I, you know, I, I should give you a little, you know, something as a thank you, you know, for at least playing the game All and right. being a good sport about it. Um, I'm going to present you. With you have a prize. A prize. You're not in the winner's circle, but I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to give you an A for effort and a prize. But so, but the next time someone takes these quiz, you wouldn't say, for example, someone who's won this was Al Dukes. I would. I'm out of that. You're out of okay, that. That's You're fair. out of contention on that. That's fair. <laughs> what do we got? What type of uh, gift is this? Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, Al. now all you, right. You may or may not be aware that Araldus Chapman, the Yankees' flamethrowing yes. all-star closer has become sort of a part of the fabric of the Broadway community. Okay. And, I didn't uh, realize. <laughs> he, seems, he seems to fit the bill, I think. Yeah. Very theatrical. Very Broadway cool. fella. Yep. Now, this is your official Chapman on Broadway. Oh, nice. Long sleeve t-shirt. Oh, I like a long sleeve t-shirt. And you got the uh, drama mask. Breaking a baseball bat behind <laughs> you for Break a Bat podcast. Oh, nice! And you know now you're in. You're part now. You're part of this Broadway. Thank community. you very much. So throw we, that to me. Yeah, let's do it. Let's see how your arm is. I don't want to break the uh, TV screen. It's like, already boom, shattered. Boom, yeah, yeah, you're good. Perfect. Not a bad arm, right? Yeah, that's not bad. Thank you. You're very welcome. Nice. You got me a schmedium. I like it. I have a large too. If you need, no, no, medium's good. Al, I got to admit, when I think of trivia with you, I can't help but think back on the hilarious Joe DiMaggio hitting streak question. <laughs> yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> that uh, Would you say that was part of the whole Mike and the Mad Dog war and feud that you guys had going I on? I think so. We were doing trivia for something, and we had uh, another guy who doesn't work here do the trivia questions for us, and he screwed up, uh, I guess, which team... Joe DiMaggio either lost or got the hitting streak against. I don't even remember which one it was. But boy, Mike and the Mad Dog had a fun, had a good time at our expense about what, what losers we were to not know that. <laughs> yes, that was one of the things. Now, in Broadway, we occasionally have some feuds pop up here and there, whether they're between shows, between the actors. Uh, you guys used to butt heads quite a bit with them. And of course, Mike Francesa, when he went solo as well. 
you all work in the same office. Did this work make for an uncomfortable <laughs> work environment? No, because we rarely see each other because Mike was uh, working afternoons. We're working mornings. And in particular, the hosts normally by 10.05 out the door. I occasionally would walk by Mike in the hallway when I was leaving and he was coming in. We would say we'd exchange pleasantry hellos. But uh, a lot of these guys, I would put Mike in that category. I'd put Howard Stern in this category. Off the air are very shy, uh, keep to themselves, quiet people. So they wouldn't confront you in the hallway to be yelling at you. You know, it's not their style in real life. You're calling to their show. They're going to get blasted. Uh, So, yeah, we never had any incidents over the years. As far as what you bring on the air, as far as your own personality, are you very similar off it, would you say? I think so, yeah. I think I would say so. You know, you once described Craig Carton as your favorite person at the radio station. And from what I gather, you guys were very close outside of the show as well. When everything went down with his court case and he had to leave the show, were you blindsided by that? Uh, I was blindsided when he was uh, picked up by the FBI. (laughs) Yes, I would say yes. I was very blindsided by that. And what was your role in selecting his replacement? And are you happy with how the show has been going? Yeah, very happy with how the show has been going. Um, That's a good question. We had tried some people out uh, with Boomer. We had talked about some people. I didn't want to... When this all went down, I knew how hard it is. Like for the audience... I feel like you need to be consistent for the audience, right? So uh, we had Jerry slide over into Craig's chair when this all first went down. And that's the way I was, I wanted it to go in that, you know, someone was removed from the show. I think it's hard to put someone new in there right away, right? So sliding Jerry over, we lost Craig, but we didn't add anybody. So when we were going to try some people out, I didn't want to just try out a bunch of different people. I think it's confusing to the audience. I think you don't know what you're going to get when you turn on the radio in the morning. And I think it's important to have consistency. So we had talked about people that we would try out in the morning. And Gio is a radio guy, which I think is very important to have. Um, He was young, uh, funny guy, uh, could work with this crew. So, um, you know, I, I think we... I don't really know what my role in was that other than being somebody to that Boomer could come to and say, hey, what'd you think of this? What do you think of Gio? What do you think of this guy? Um, And then we all kind of just made a decision where, yeah, this feels right. Let's do this. And it's amazing. You guys are still number one, even without half of the show's original marquee. So right. You know, one thing I find really interesting about you is how you've talked a lot about how you don't really care for radio shows that have a dependency on guests. And I think one thing that's really cool is you take listeners behind the scenes of your personal life in the booth. Uh, Your heroics in Matawan were obviously really noble, uh, but also turned into what I thought made for one of the most brilliant radio sagas I've ever heard. Yes. What made you decide to bring that into the show? Well, I always like things that uh, can break up the sports talk. And tell the folks at home what happened exactly. So and- I was home one Sunday. I'm in an, I live in an apartment a couple floors up. Uh, my place overlooks a Little League baseball field and another field. It was early in the morning. It was cold. I heard a man yelling. And after I heard him yelling a couple times, I opened up my blinds and I saw this man in the middle of a baseball field screaming and holding his hand. 
And then to the right, I saw two dogs killing each other, like going crazy. I was like, what is going on here? So I'm watching for a little bit. Then the guy who was screaming, holding his hand, he would go up to the two dogs and he was kicking with all his might this German shepherd that was attacking a pit bull. And it had no effect on this dog. Like He was kicking this dog and punching this dog with all his might. It had no effect. And I was like, what are we doing here? There's a dog killing another dog. There's a guy who's clearly been bit by a dog. And there's a guy kicking and punching a dog. None of these things are good. Then I saw another person out of nowhere get involved. He ran up, got a running start, and kicked at this German Shepherd. And the man fell down. And I said, that's it. I'm calling 911. So I called 911. Um, to get the cops to come over and settle this up, which they did. Then I was always talking. I love News 12, New Jersey. I love local news, like local, local news, not New York news, local. And I kept saying, why isn't News 12 calling me? I'm a hero, da, da, da. So they did call. Uh, uh, One of the reporters, Rebecca, her dad is a big listener to the show. And he called her and said, hey, this this does sound like a good story. So um, what what I thought was great with them was they came out uh, to film me and talk to me and and talk to the other guy that got involved. And I did it so tongue in cheek, like, look at me, I'm a hero. And they went along with that. It was great. Like they did a great job with it. Then we got the 911 tapes because they're public uh, information. And it was great. We we used it for a full week on the air. It It really worked out great. The best also was that guy, Peter, who ran through the fence, kind of being forced into this 15 minutes of fame right. that he didn't need <laughs> to want. Right, he didn't know. <laughs> and you were taking selfies with him. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah, so I said, like, he was, you're right. Uh, I forget how we even got a guy. Yeah, the guy, he called in and said, somebody told me you were talking about this dogfight. I, I think I was the guy who got involved. You know, then we lauded him as the hero because he actually got involved where I just made a phone call. But I said, you know, I was the real hero because I'm the one who got it to end. So it was it was all fun and everyone uh, had a good sense of humor about it. Right. He was the Robin to your Batman, really. Correct. Yes. <laughs> now, Al, I know you really wanted an Al Duke stay of sorts in Matawan. Yeah. Maybe a key to the city. I don't know how Broadway stacks up to Matawan Ooh. for you. But I do think of you as one of the most entertaining people in the sports world, and that should be rewarded. Thank you. And in no way am I the mayor of the Broadway community, but I do have a voice with the Broadway Podcast Network, and I'd like to offer you a little consolation to make you feel better. All right. (sighs) Another gift? You do a lot of gifts on this show. (laughs) Oh. I'd like to present you with this proclamation. (laughs) (laughs) Proclamation. Mm-hmm. Al Dukes isn't just a part of the fabric of New York Sports Talk Radio. He's a pioneer and a hero. In the fall of 2019, after years of blending sports and music, Al exhibited the ultimate display of courage by alerting the authorities of an unsafe situation in his community. Whereas Al's word should be an inspiration to all of us in the Broadway community as we strive to make the world a better place. Some heroes have a cape and others use a shield. Others call 911 to get even more heroes here. Thank you. The more heroes, the better. Now, therefore, we, the Break a Bat podcast and the Broadway Podcast Network, do hereby proclaim Friday, February 21st, 2020 on Broadway as Al Duke's Day. Wow, I like that. I'm going to put that up in my office. I am honored. Nice. Well, I, you know, I feel like this show is a good introduction for 
you know, the Broadway fans at home who are either listening to Break a Bat or their cast albums, uh, who might want to tune into Boomer and Geo because uh, you're certainly one of the, uh, Thank the you good very guys much. in Sports Talk Radio. I appreciate that. And we've got Chapman in a blue wig on the uh, bottom left. You there, love so this you can... uh, Araldus Chapman. What do you think about that? Araldus Chapman as a Broadway star? I'd yeah. love to see it. Second I, career. Have you considered doing a song parody about him? Uh, I'm trying to think if I did ever. I don't remember. I don't remember doing a Chapman one. Have you ever tried to get him on the show? No. It would be an interesting interview. Yeah. You would need his translator there. Have you ever done an interview with a translator in studio? In studio, no. Over the phone? No, I don't think so. <laughs> they were uh, difficult to do, I think. Not to bring up the Michael K show, but I laugh when they bring Gary Sanchez on and they do it in front of like a live audience at like the Connecticut Sports Foundation dinner. <laughs> and they're talking for this interview you know, Michael Kay's asking the question. The translator is going back to Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is giving his answer in Spanish. The translator gives it in English. And they're doing this in front of a live audience. I've, I've always found that kind yeah. of fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting, especially if the translate... I like uh, the translator voice to be similar to the person they're translating for. It's less jarring. I've never it's, thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a woman for a man or vice versa. That throws me off because you, you don't expect that voice to be with the person you're asking the question to. I would also find it confusing, like, who do I look at during the interview? I think you're supposed to look at the person you're asking the questions of, not the translator. That's a very good point. Yeah, this is what I would worry about. I'd just be, like, constantly going back and forth. <laughs> Eye contact with both. <laughs> well, it's cool. You do have a podcast now yourself, Al. Um, and I, for years, I listened to Al's Boring Podcast. But why don't you tell the folks at home about what you're doing with Jerry Recco? Uh, Jerry Recco and I do uh, the uh, Al and Jerry post-game podcast. It's, uh, we tape it after Boomer and Geo. Originally, it was supposed to be about things that we were going to do on the show that we never got to or things about that day's show. But it really turned out uh, to be, uh, I find stories about rats in New York City um, uh, penis injuries and, um, things like that. <laughs> Very immature sex robots and these sorts of things, these sorts of topics come up. You things that we wouldn't really cover on the, the radio. It's awesome. I, I always, Thank you. I always enjoy listening to it. Now, before we wrap our time together, one last game. Oh, another game show. All right. <laughs> this show really is, it's one of a kind, isn't it? Yes. I like the game shows just in the middle of an interview. Thanks. You've accomplished some incredible things in your radio career, but now it's about to get tough. It's called Fastball Derby, ninth inning, two outs. Your team's down a run, men on second and third, and Araldus Chapman's on the mound throwing 105. All right. I ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to oh, you. I like these okay. rapid fire questions. Yes. All right. Al, you're a big music guy. Your three Desert Island albums. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's Tunnel of Love, uh, The Replacements All Shook Down, and then I would probably go with, uh, the third one's always tough for me. Mm, give me a John Hyatt stolen moments. I always find this question interesting. I don't ask it that much on the show, but you know, let's say if you have a favorite song and the rest of the album isn't necessarily that good. I'm going to give you just, you know, an example or yeah. two of that. Like, I love ELO. I love classic rock also. Do Ya might be my my favorite song of all time. And A New World Record is a, a decent album. 
that was the album that it was on. I would want to listen to that song in a desert on a desert island, but I don't necessarily like the other 10 or 11 right. songs. So th that factors into it, I think. It does. Then you don't love the album. You love one song from the album. So it would get off your album list. But if it was individual songs you were looking for, it would be up there. And I do want your, uh, you know, your take on this because you do love music. Mine personally would be Pet Sounds, Hotel California, and Tapestry. What do you think of those? Tapestry? I'm out for that one. Uh, no, no, Carol King. King. Hotel California. That's again, like the, the, I don't, I don't know a lot of the songs other than the hits though for that one. There are a couple non-hits on there, right? There's a couple, uh, but even the album tracks, though, I think like, I'm not sure if you know the song Last Resort and yes. Try to Love Again. They're very good songs. Very odd uh, that you bring that up because just yesterday, randomly, I was, uh, I put on, uh, on Spotify, went to Hotel California, the deluxe set, which has a whole live set uh, from a concert of that era. And I put it on and it had a bunch of the songs from Hotel California that, that weren't uh, the, the main hits. And I, I did enjoy them, but I, I hadn't really listened to them prior to even just last night. It's hard not to love when you got Joe Walsh in there. That was his love first Joe album Walsh. with the band. He's the man. So what was Tapestry, uh, Hotel Pet California, Pet Sounds. Yeah. Beach Boys guy? It was a little too old for me, too old sounding. Even like the that yeah. Pet Sounds smile era? I'm surprised. Yeah. Is Sloop John B on there? Yes. Yeah, I like that one. Wouldn't be nice. God only knows. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big Beach Boys guy. How about Beatles? Not huge Beatles either. I mean, okay. I, I know their stuff for sure. Right. But I'm not like one of these hardcore Beatle guys. Okay. I know we got a little sidetracked there, but I really wanted to talk All to you right. about music. Fair so. enough. Your TV crush, past or present? Jennifer Aniston. Friends era? Or a past or present. I watched her on this Apple TV Plus show, The Morning Show. Who looks terrific there. Still crushing. She does, yeah. Yeah. Now, you're a good sport on Boomer and Geo. And back when you were doing Boomer and Carton, what's your most embarrassing on-air moment? On Boomer and Carton? Either one. Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. Wow. Something that happened to you personally, let's say. Well, I don't, hmm, I can't think of a specific one. I, I don't like when it involves my girlfriend because then I'm hoping she's not listening because if she's not listening, I can escape the problem, you know, problems that come from that. So I'm sure there was something that Craig said rudely about her that then I had a face and I'm trying to tell her, I was like, I honestly don't remember what it was. I know it involved that. I said to her, I go, if you even ask Craig, or told Craig you were upset that he said that, he would not even remember saying that. It's him taking a shot at me, not you. You know, it, it was hard to uh, navigate that sometimes, you know, when, especially like early on in a relationship where they don't know what this is or what's what goes on on these radio shows all day. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I did more embarrassing things on Ron and Fez, I think. Yeah, the cross-dressing thing, I remember that. Cross-dressing. <laughs> I uh, peed my pants once uh, <laughs> on purpose. Uh, uh, yeah, those two things. Now, I know you typically go to bed early during the week. Yes, I do. But what's your favorite late night snack? Uh, I love chips and salsa. But it's got to be Newman salsa. I've never Paul had Newman. It. Okay. Uh, their salad dressing is so-so. They oh, make good salsa? Solid salsa. Okay. Salsa. I go Paul Newman's medium. <laughs> nice. That's the way to go. The fact about Al Dukes that would surprise people the most. 
Hmm. I have a master's degree. In what? Communications. That's amazing. Yeah. It makes sense to me, though. You're an expert on the industry. I'm a master. <laughs> <laughs> You've achieved a lot of success. Has success changed the way people treat you? Uh, no, it's nice to uh, go out and, and meet people who enjoy the show and really like the show. That's always very nice. I always appreciate when people uh, say hello. Um, and sometimes, you know, out, you'd be out at a restaurant or something and somebody will, who works at the restaurant will, will come over and uh, say hello. That's always very nice. I always like that. Proudest moment of your career? Hmm. I would say um, the the success, the original success of uh, Boomer and Carton, because we were replacing uh, a guy who had been at WFAN in Don Imus for so many years, and he was very successful. And then to come in um, <clears throat> with a, we didn't, uh, you know, a lot of the times the the people who worked at FAN grew up with FAN, so they were producers, then update then host. And that's kind of the way a lot of people that are at the top here started at the bottom here. So, you know, they kind of grew into it and we kind of came in the three of us from not growing up at WFAN came from different radio stations. And, um, that was really one of the first shows I think to do that. And the fact that, that we were successful pretty early on was, was probably my proudest moment. And lastly, Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you, and what was it? Hmm. Well, one piece of advice, uh, I wish I had this advice in like my dating years. This could come in handy for me as a 29-year-old. At 29, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't learn this till like legitimately. I was like 38. Is that women do like, like you don't have to be the best looking guy you don't even you don't have to be athletic. You just have to be um how kind of hard to to describe it. It's like I used to look at and say, oh, that woman is out of my league, or that woman. And then I would be annoyed when I saw beautiful women with not good looking guys. Like, what is going on here? And then you realize that. Uh, women aren't always being asked out on dates that you think like beautiful women are constantly being asked out on dates or they're always super busy or they wouldn't find you attractive. Women find not good looking guys attractive because they might have a good personality or they might just have the confidence to go up to them and talk to them. And I wish I knew that when I was younger. It took me a long time and people telling me that same advice over and over again to fully believe uh, that that is true. There are beautiful women sitting home on Saturday nights with nothing to do because no one's asking them out because everyone thinks everyone's asking them out. That is really sound advice, Thank Al. you. Thank you for sharing that with me and to our audience. You got it. Listen, Al, it has been such a pleasure. Thank and you. Before we go, where can everyone find you on social media? Oh, I'm at, at Al's Boring Tweets on Twitter and at Al's Boring Picks on Instagram. And they are not boring, by the way. I'm just going to preface that. But I, well, I set it up so that I, I would imagine when I was first starting on Twitter, like when I was going to tweet stuff, people were going to be like, who cares? What do we care? So I set it up like, of course you don't care. I've put that in the title of my tweets. So don't say who cares. Right. You prefaced everyone. I prefaced. This is not going to be good. <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome. And uh, thank you. Al, thanks so much for joining me today. I enjoyed this. Good. Me too. Well, that'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network at CBS Sports Network and WFAN Radio. We'll see you next week with Amanda Jane Cooper. Take care. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.